Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. We've got a little special, well it's not a special, we've got an Abu Dhabi Grand Prix preview. It will be our final Grand Prix preview of this year. Not ever. Well, it could be ever, but who knows? Probably this year. Well, it, it, it is this year because it's the last race. Uh, not going to be ever. Yeah, it won't be ever. I'm only joking. Especially if you're listening to this podcast right now, which you are. Uh, joining me, uh, Nigel Chu, I've got the man who thinks England are going to win the World Cup and the United States are going to beat Netherlands in the last 16, which is a load of rubbish. It is, of course, Adam Dickinson. You think that, don't you, Adam? Um, I, d- <clears throat> I definitely think England um, will win the World Cup. I think the USA can. I'm not like staking my kind of absolute like colours to the mast on that, but it's kind of everyone's got to have a bit of a um, you know wacky prediction. Nigel thinks Spain are going to make the final without a striker, so you know we've we've all said silly things about the World Cup, but at least I'm going to get the winners right and the finalists right. Yeah, Adam thinks <clears throat> the team that haven't won the last six matches are going to win the World Cup. Now, I don't think that's ever happened before. A team that has gone into the World Cup not winning the last six matches. But Adam thinks it's going to happen. So, you know, living in cuckoo land is Adam here. Uh, the team had never usual. won three major tournaments in a row until 2012, and then it happened. And according to Nigel, history doesn't matter. Historical precedent doesn't matter at all. So, you know, we should all just live off the last 12 months and screw anything that happened before that. So, you know, I think... Yeah, we should, and that's why England not winning the, England not winning the last six matches... Yeah, why does that matter? Because if, they don't if, have to if, fall. If, if historical precedent doesn't matter, then why does it matter that no team has won historical the World Historical precedent matters about 10%. The last 12 months is like 90%. Mm, right, okay. Yeah. Look at the last 12 months before the 2010 World Cup and then what happened to England in that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened then. Well, we had a fantastic winning percentage, qualified from our group in record time. Um with record points and uh, absolutely flopped at the World Cup. Couldn't beat Algeria. Yeah. Couldn't beat so why USA. Do you think, so why do you think the opposite is going to happen with a losing run and then they're going to win? I just don't think that, you, you know, European qualifiers and friendlies and glorified friendlies in the Nations League, which is about as significant as the League of Nations was, um, matters is a good indicator for what's going to happen at a major tournament. Um, well, if England I, if England top their Nations League group, you will be using that as a form guide, one hundred percent. You will be using that as a reason to, to say that they would do well, hundred percent. I mean, it would depend on the matches, but if they topped it in the way, oh, that so matches, so then it doesn't matter, then, doesn't it? Well, it depends how they play them. If every team puts their strongest team out in the Nations League, goes full bore, then obviously, like that's an indicator, that's but do. that's not what happens. What what, it, we, we had Ramsdale in goal, <laughs> yeah, and what what's, gay, what's wrong with uh, that? Cody at centre back and Gay at left back or something like that. It's not our strongest team. Not near like it's quite close to the strongest team. <laughs> it's not that far off. Yeah, having having, <laughs> having different goalie, having a backup goalie. Um, yeah, no, I I just I, I don't think the you know friendlies and qualifiers are that good an indicator for a major tournament. I think there are very significant variables that differ between the two. Um, and considering we've come off the back of a major tournament only 18 months ago, less than 18 months ago, I think that's a much better indicator, to be honest. So Yeah, I think Italy's going to win the World Cup then, yeah. yeah. Anyway. They're not in it, they can't. <laughs> that's what I mean. The, la- the last, the last like, six months before they failed to qualify gone fantastically, and then, uh, then they didn't. Why didn't they qualify if they'd won the... If they were best team in Europe of recent form, how did they fail to qualify for the World Cup? 
because the team changed quite a bit from what they had in the Euros to the to the playoff of the World Cup. But but the last twelve months is ninety percent. The team was very different. England's team is not. But that, I'm, I'm just repeating your words back. The last twelve months is ninety percent. So if in the last twelve months they'd won the yeah. Euros, then that's ninety percent that they should they should get there. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Why? Because they lost to North Macedonia one 0 Yeah, exactly. They wouldn't have done that based off their Euros form. Anyway, no one else thinks England's going to win the World Cup. It's only Adam and he thinks somehow thinks that England's the third best team or fourth best team going into the tournament, even though they there's are. six or seven or eight teams. But there's seven or eight teams who are better. Uh, but let's no, talk about there F1. is not. There is not seven or eight teams that are better. There are. Listen. Yes, there are. Brazil, Argentina, yep. Netherlands, no. Spain. No. We no. know Netherlands are like first or second best European team. You've got Van Dyke, Dijon, Depay, like that's that's from like back to front. Like they've got a great team. The who ate all Depay? Huh? Who 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 ate all Depay? God's sake! Who's the, who's right. the Netherlands got in goal? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, exactly. I can't remember. Uh, by the way, ask fine. You can list what um, Kane, Bellingham, and Stones. Yeah, then look at the Pickford. defenders. Pickford could have been played in the championship this season. Pickford could have. My God. And he's a good number one. Pickford's goal. great ex Preston player as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if, if, anyway, if him quick conceding. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to list these teams just because I had a master question. So I said Spain, Netherlands is three and four, didn't I? Germany, oh. five. Uh, Belgium, oh. six. Huh? I was saying Germany and Spain don't have strikers. So, oh, okay. So, scoring goals isn't an important part of football. Okay. Uh, Liverpool six. didn't have a striker before Nunes for like the last three, four seasons. And Firmino. And they had Salah playing in a striker. Role, in an attacker role. It's not a striker, though, is it? It's an attacker. It depends on the it's formation. On the, the forward line. And they have Mane, who both combine to put in the Yeah, Mane plays as, as in the centre, but he wasn't a striker. But they had people to take up that goal scoring. Oh, God, we're getting sidetracked. We need to, we need to talk about F1. We need to talk. We'll, we'll you, argue you about can't answer. You can't, every team has weaknesses. England are like Mate, England one again, in the top three. Quarters or semis, semis at best. They will not win. I will bet you, <clears> how much <throat> you want to bet? England, I'll bet you 50 grand on this podcast, England would not win the World Cup. Yeah? 50 grand? I don't have 50 grand. So how much no. do you have? How much do you have? I'll get okay if if England. Hundred Well, you're you're already owe me twenty pounds. Hundred quid. Twenty or ten. Uh, twenty. Okay, I'll bet that twenty pounds back. Okay, twenty quid. Seeing, seeing as you're you're too bankrupt to pay me anyway, I will bet that twenty. Yes, I am. That's why I can't. For different, yeah, that's why I can't live in London. <laughs> Because I yeah. can't afford to live in London. Yeah. They've shot so the prize on my I'm, I'm not going to see that 20 quid anyway, so I might as well just bet it back with you that England will win. Okay, right. So I'm going to be at, oh, with Adam 40 quid then. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> no. uh, right, let's talk about F1. Sorry if you've had to skip the last seven or eight minutes. Uh, it's I'm the sure World Cup. It comes around every four years. You get, you know, this is what you get. This one's come around every four and a half years as well, because Qatar, so. What yeah. Do you get? Yeah. Oh well, at least we're not talking about Ronaldo. Uh, let's talk about F1. Uh, Matteo Bonotto, there were reports 
but he will be not the team principal next year. Ferrari have denied this. Uh, so, but obviously it means we can still talk about it uh, and think, well, in fact, it's a bit because last week or a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, should we do a Ferrari podcast? So this is quite timely in a way. But yeah, your thoughts, Adam. Benotto, stay or go? I think stay. I think the improvement, I mean, yes, Ferrari took a step back initially under him, but the way he's led that team back from 2020 being in the deer, 2021 being better, and now 2022 being able to challenge for race wins and initially in the first half of the season being able to challenge for the title. I think that's some really good continuity. Um, and yes, there are things that they need to fix, but I think they can fix them with Binotto in charge. I think adding, you know, having another kind of reset in terms of leadership isn't what they need right now. I think they're a lot closer than they maybe think. So, yeah, I think the direction Binotto has got them going is a good one. And they, you know, they shouldn't walk away from that. Um, they can fix their other problems around Binotto. I disagree. I called for him to go after the Hungarian Grand Prix at the start of August, end of July, uh, when Ferrari messed up with strategy. I don't think he's fit to be in a team principal role. I think he's better in the technical role, which is what he was in before this team principal role. Uh, I just, I think someone like Fred Vasser, someone like that, that figurehead, they have the experience and the know-how of what it takes to be a team principal in F1. And you think of Christian Horde or Toto Wolf as much as you hate or love them. Those are the top two team principals in F1. They know the political minefield that it is. And it, F1 is like 100 times more political than probably most of our listeners uh, think it is. It is an absolute minefield. I just don't think Bonotto has that in his character to lead Ferrari. I think if he stays in a technical role, yeah, I can be happy with that. But as a team principal, not for me. And whilst, whilst you know, he should uh, be removed as team principal as well for me, I also think uh, the strategy team needs a whole removal so that uh, Inaki Ruida, I think I hope, yeah. hopefully I pronounced his name right, my goodness, he needed to go this uh, much earlier this season as well. So, you know, he would be first to go for me. Lauren Menkes as well, possibly, because he, he has more of the operational track side role than Bonotto. Uh, I'll be changing those two first rather than, rather than Bonotto. So if, if Bonotto is going, which Ferrari have denied, uh, there's other positions which I would change first. I do think for Ferrari to win championships, which they haven't done since 2008 with the constructors, 2007 with Kimi Raikkonen and with the drivers, which is by next year, we're 16 years on now, unbelievably, which is like two thirds of, well, more than two thirds of mine and Adam's lives. Uh, they've got to change half other... Freddie's life as well. <laughs> they've got to change other positions in their team first for me. Uh, I just don't think Bonotto, with all due respect, is quite up to it in that team principal role. So that's my opinion on it. Any, that's that's interesting. I think we're, we're both saying quite similar things, but just kind of with a different end goal. But I don't think they can demote him back to a technical position and keep him in the team, though. I just, that doesn't... Yeah. So I think having the technical direction, I think you can bring, you know, bring other people in to take 
I guess, some of the burden off and maybe reduce his kind of role as team principal and maybe not have that Wolf or Horner figurehead up there. But I think kind of his his technical expertise has brought Ferrari back to where they're at least in a position to compete for race wins after a truly awful 2020 season. Um, so I, I think agree. I think keeping him in the team um, and then, you know, kind of maybe splitting responsibility more, you know, um, on kind of race, race weekend and stuff like that. I think maybe where, you know, he's not him coming out... Um, after Hungary, I think, and saying that there wasn't a strategical error was pretty poor. Um, I think it's stuff like that that's kind of not the good look. But also, you know, he's three years into his tenure there um, as well. So, yeah, I just, you know, I don't, I think it just doesn't need another upheaval right now. I think the person they have to bring back as well as perhaps a new team principal with Benotto does go is uh, Simone Resta, uh, who was with Ferrari for years. He's now at Haas as the, uh, let me double check, he's one of the technical, yeah, he's a Haas technical director, I should have known that, but yeah, he's a Haas technical director, or before Haas, he was with Ferrari for like nearly two decades or something like that, uh, and he only ha- he joined Haas at the start of the 2021 season, so he, you know, would have been, during his latter years, at, well, during the 17, 18 years when Vettel was challenging for a bit for the title, he was key to that, to those great cars that he made, and also part of the recovery car for 2021 uh, because they were building the car in 2020 if that makes sense uh, he would have been a big part of that so I think he, him and Bonotto in a way technically led the team during, those, during that really tough season they had in 2020 when obviously the power units fuel private settle, settlement agreement thing uh, was going on so I think he needs to come back from Haas to Ferrari uh, but yeah I just don't think the Ferrari team right now, I mean, it's always been the case with Ferrari. There's, a, there's that fear there. And I think Bonotto, uh, he's not living up to the pressure, I'll say. I, I think that's my main worry uh, with him. Is it, would you say kind of him and Vissera are kind of quite opposites in terms of, mm. I don't know, Vissera's strength seems to be kind of the team the running of the team and Benotto's is like more on the technical side. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, Vissera's a bit like Horner in that sense. Horner's not exactly the most technical person, is he? But not he knows what to car. say to the media. Yeah, mm. yeah. And But Horner knows what to say to the media. He knows the <clears> political <throat> games you have to play behind closed doors. So yeah, Vassar is always in that category with Wolf and Horner. And I think that's what Ferrari, well, that's what you need in modern F1. I think, I think, total more of what he's done over the last 10 years or so, he's played things very well, in my opinion, with what regulations should happen in F1, uh, the direction the sport should go, that kind of thing. So, I do feel if you want to challenge for the title in F1 now, you do need that big, uh, Figurehead like the McLaren, they've got Zap Brown for instance, like Andre Seidel. You know, he's a bit more, a bit like Bonotto on the technical side, but then they've got Zap Brown there, uh, who is in all the meetings and you know, can give out his give McLaren's opinion, that kind of thing. Whereas Ferrari above Bonotto, there's no one else who like screams at me because they're not at the track or whatever. So, yeah, that 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 there's a bit of a structure 
problem, I think, with Ferrari. The strategy mistakes we've seen from that, I think, all come from that structure because they're not quite up to scratch with it yet, uh, which is a shame because they did have to car in the first half. Well, I think, oh, sorry, do you think if they don't get Resta back and they don't have Binotto there and there's not that kind of established technical presence and there's Vasseur there who, as we said, is more hands-off with the car, like, do you think they can challenge in terms of, you know, putting the car out on track in the first place? Because, you know, you need to need to have that, um, you know, I mean, not yeah, yeah. maybe not Adrian knew exactly, but you need to have kind of that figure there to be able to challenge in the first place. I think for next year, yeah, it'll be fine because like, next year's car will be mostly done yeah. anyway. But then it's just after that. I guess it, well, well I guess because if, if next year's car is really good, then they can like build off that. It makes it easier. To, but say next year's car, isn't an improvement on this year, then yeah, they could be in a bit of trouble in that sense because they don't have a Bonotto or or they don't get rest back, like like you said. But even if next year's car is good, then they still won't have that experienced head, kind of proven head yeah. to know where to develop it for next season and know kind of which bits to build off and which bits to replace in the first place. So yeah, I think it's trading off, but I think fundamentally you need, like obviously you want to have both, but fundamentally you need to have a good car to put yourself in that position um yeah and i think that's just kind of the worry there is that they won't have that um but you know there'll be new people coming through as well so yeah exactly yeah and i'm sure there's people who have you know, we don't don't know the name like this is the thing with f1 isn't it there's up to a thousand people working with, with a team yeah there's a team members even us as like die-eyed f1 fans we can't name 900 85 of them kind of thing yeah you know those 985 people have all played their part to make a car so yeah, it just depends on the intelligence of all them. It's just a shame you don't get the coverage and that kind of thing. But, mm. uh, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens. I do feel like these reports must have come from somewhere. And, and we saw the close well in Brazil with all the sarcastic radio comments and that kind of thing. It, it, yeah, it does feel like something is going to happen to me uh, in you know, during the off-season. Uh, I, I think that can be changing people under. I mean, like you said, people like Rueda, um changing people under Binotto and keeping him in. And then maybe if things haven't changed by this time next year, then there'll be more of those conversations. But yeah, I think I think we're both kind of saying similar things, but I'm coming of it from the basis that like you need to have a good car first and then, you know, get, get everything else in line behind that and you're going the other way that you need to kind of have the team operation first and then you know whatever car you have deal with it from a world-class team operation so yeah i completely agree and i, I think my first point was Bonotto should go back to his technical role but i think like you said he's not going to do happen. that he, he, yeah he can't he can't go back to it or like he's highly unlikely to do that so and i agree with that as well i, I don't think he would go back as well so it is all or nothing for him it feels like uh, but yeah we'll if something does happen which it might or might not, we don't know. Uh, we will be here to discuss it along with Freddie Coates, of course, who's just having a little rest uh, this week. Shout out to his Twitter, Freddie Coates, uh, Freddie Coates 99. What's up, Matty? I won't say ours because you already know them if you're fans of the podcast. Cause, or if you're watching uh, it yes, on the screen. Or if you're watching yeah. it, yeah. 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 Or, if you're, or if you're listening, just go and watch yeah. it because then you can see our then you can see our faces and what mm. we're wearing. And I'm, we're wearing. I'm representing a team that isn't at the World Cup, which is about 220, 200 odd countries. So you can guess, have yeah. a guess which one that is in the comments. Oh no, you can't comment, and, you're already watching, so you'll see, silly. And if the you've never- of, No, the only team to go and beaten in the 2010 World Cup. 
So if anyone knows that, then well done. It's not Spain because they lost one of their group games. Well, also they are at this World Cup, even though they're not going to get to the final. Oh, so, right, I see. Okay, yeah. 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 Anyway, you, uh, and also, yeah. if if you've never watched the podcast, you don't know Adam's got glasses. So there you go. Except I've just told you now that Adam's got glasses. So that's a fun fact, isn't it? That is. <laughs> that is fast. Like I've never thought about that, but it is very true. Um, I watched. <laughs> I, I sorry. I listened to a BBC Sounds podcast about. It was like an investigative thing into um, someone who basically sold like a Ponzi scheme cryptocurrency um, mm. and sold it to like millions of people. It was really fast growing, but it was all built on nothing basically. Um, and it's called the Missing Crypto Queen. So I would recommend that. But I then went and looked at the person who did it afterwards, Jamie Bartlett, and he's very different to how I imagine. So, you know, you people, people, yeah, people don't know that I have glasses, but now they do. So we've done a public yes. service there. We are always doing the public service. That's why this podcast is free, unlike most things which are not uh, nowadays. <laughs> let's talk about the Abu Dhabi. Well, yeah, that as well. Uh, let's talk about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, final race of the season. Adam Sebastian Vettel, his final race ever in F1 in late unless he makes a short return. Are you emotional about that? Obviously, I'm not because I don't get emotional about things like this but are you? <laughs> you you didn't need to say the like this to be honest in fact i might cut that out in the editing because you know <laughs> i don't get emotional uh kind of i do get emotional man i do <laughs> uh, this whole bit is being cut though so you know it's, it's complete no, I um yeah i i'm kind of sad because he has really picked it up in recent rounds like it it feels i think in the middle of the season it felt like this is the time as nigel takes a sip from a union jack cup that may or may not have been sent as a um, present as for being a member of the BMP. We don't know that. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Just to be clear, I'm absolutely not saying that. Um, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, back to Vessel. I think... London 2012 mug, mate. I'm sorry, I've got to start. It's on this London 2012 Olympics. Can you see? There you go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well there we go. <laughs> now we know. Um, so. Yeah, but this is what happened. When Freddie isn't here to ground us, this is just complete chaos. Um, yeah, so, it is. <laughs> um, oh, what are we talking about? Vettel. Vettel. Um, yeah, yeah he, he seems to have just picked it up over recent rounds. I mean, um, yeah, all, all of the Americas rounds, he's been strong. Um, and while in what, in the middle of the... When, when did he announce his retirement? Was it in the summer break after Hungary? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, and, just just before Hungary because Alonso right. announces vague after Hungary. So oh, just yeah. before Hungary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at that time it kind of felt like it's the right time for him to go. Um, but now he's actually picked it up. Um, and it kind of feels like he could have a bit more to offer. He could carry on for another season. Also, now Aston Martin seem to have, you know, got their car heading in the right direction for really the first time that I can remember as Aston Martin. Um, which is great for Alonso coming in, but um, yeah, kind of a bit of a shame that Vettel won't be able to, um, you know, make the most of that. So yeah, it's kind of sad because I think he could do a job, um, but equally, you know, he he clearly feels like it's the right time for him to go and direct his efforts outside of F1, which is a very noble aim and wish him the best success in that. But I really hope he can, you know, sign off with a great, um, a great Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and it's not a David Coulthard moment which is ironically the driver that he replaced at Rebel, so that'll be funny. Yeah, yeah for those who don't know, David Goulfard crashed at the, first, at the second corner in this final race in 2008 for Brazil, which was remembered Running for a charity livery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they did. Yeah, yeah, one corner. Uh, 
It's hard to quite because like Jensen Borton as well, he retired mid-race in his in Abu Dhabi 2016. And then you've got people like Hulkenberg. And on his return um, in Monaco, he didn't make it. Yeah. Was it a hit with Berline? Did not finish 10th in that. Did not carry on and finish 10th. I don't think so. For some reason, I thought he carried on, but... I actually know he caught because of that damage. I can't remember. Well, outside of checks out, but yeah, there's a couple, couple of other instances where drivers like retire in the final race, which is a bit sad. Hopefully, Vettel is not one of them. Have you got an answer, Adam? If not, I can carry on talking, which I'm going to do. I, uh, no, I, have, got a, I have got an answer. Um, firstly, in 2017, the Russian Grand Prix was two races before Monaco. So it, will yeah, it was, it was, it was in the European leg, which I completely forgotten. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do have an answer. Yeah, he retired. Um, the crash from Verline um, on lap 57, but I think he was running outside the points anyway. Yeah, um, that's why I went for the a, move. <laughs> yeah, it'd been, like a bad, it'd been a bad strategy call or something like that, um, yeah. and he got stuck behind. So, yeah, um, it wasn't. He had two bad ends to his uh, his career, F1 career. You, you know what, what we should do like over, over the off-season if you have time or, or in the future? We should like do a podcast on like seasons in the past like 2018 2019 2017 you know 2008 2012 that kind of thing that'd be well good if you want if you want that let us know comment message which no one ever does but <laughs> i've just had to say it in time well yeah we should do that we? yeah i mean the problem is like seasons just blur into one but i feel like really really standout ones wow. um in my head they just like yeah kind of a lot of the Mercedes years, like 2017 and 18, are just like one thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, really? So, yeah, I don't know. It's just I think my long-term memory isn't so good. Um, so, your, your, yeah. your memory in general is pretty poor, mate. <laughs> ah, mate, your 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 memory is awful because you only remember the last 12 months and everything else you don't need to remember apparently, apart from 10 percent of it. My, my F1 season knowledge from 2007 to now is very strong. I would say I think only Freddie could beat me. I reckon. Uh, I think that that'd be a good fine. episode, actually. A, a nerd off. A nerd off. Yeah. Out of yeah, yeah. I think Freddie's the only person who probably. Like, I'm not being arrogant or anything. I'm just being saying what I think, which is what I always do. But you, uh, you want about like everyone in the world? Are you like saying you're no, top not everyone two, in the world? Top two with F1 knowledge in the world. Well, what I will say is, I I will say, sometimes we give our opinions on this podcast, and they are more, let's say honest or better than what you sometimes see on TV. I will say that. Or like we analyse things better. I'd say I, I generally think that like honestly, like yeah, we, we just know I'm not saying we know more, but maybe we I, I don't know, maybe we discuss it more or something. I, I'm not sure. But I, yeah, I, I, I do think that. I think we also have kind of different experiences. I mean like you know if yeah we, we don't like watch it together. We don't we kind of come from different like F1 watching backgrounds i guess um so yeah i think in terms of like who we supported as kids like when we started watching stuff like that um so yeah, yeah I, I think there's kind of that aspect where there's more of a like spread than you know say journalists who are in the paddock and kind of all watching it from the same position which like isn't to put you know i really like especially f1 check it flag or bbc check and podcast is my yeah. favorite other f1 podcast but um but yeah, yeah, I think maybe we've got a bit more diversity of F1 viewing to <laughs> Yes, I'm not going to make a joke. Uh, oh, you know. I mean, uh, right, there's a few championship battles at uh, 
talk about obviously not the first place, but for second place, Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez are tied on points. Uh, Red Bull say Verstappen or they will do everything to help Perez after what happened on Sunday with uh, Verstappen. Do you think Verstappen will actually help though? No. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Maybe if... I certainly don't think he'll go above and beyond. Like, maybe if it's the same position as last race, um, then he might. But, yeah, I don't know. I I think think what he did is about more than, like, kind of any perceived revenge or something like that. I think it was also just putting down a marker and he clearly doesn't, like I said last episode, I think he made the decision that it's not worth him doing it, basically. And I don't think that would have changed. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think because of what happened and going off what Horner said to the media, he will help now, no matter what. That's what I kind of feel like. Uh, like even if they are first, first and second, I feel we could see a situation where... You, no, actually, the first and second is fine, is it? As long as uh, they're ahead of Leclerc, then it's fine. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think he'll be giving up any wins. But if it if they are in a situation where he can help, then like maybe he'll help hold up Leclerc or something like that. I don't uh, think so. No, no. I don't, I don't see him doing anything like that. If it's like, I don't, I don't see him doing anything to compromise his race as a whole. Like, right. I can see. That's why I like something like Brazil, where it was literally just compromising his result. Like he ran his race and then it was just the end result that kind of it would have made a difference to um, rather than kind of like, you know, taking a bad strategy in the race that will affect yeah. the whole race. Um, I can't to help Perez. I just don't see him doing that, to be honest. And thinking about it, say if he's ahead and Perez is ahead of Leclerc, then it doesn't matter. Or even if Perez is behind, is behind Leclerc, what can Verstappen do? He can't really do anything other than back Leclerc away, but I don't think he would do that. Well, yeah, so, that's what I mean. It's yeah. or like, you know, if if Leclerc's ahead and has pitted and Perez is copying Leclerc's strategy, Verstappen, mm. and, you know, it's a situation like Abu Dhabi last year, um, but flipped where Verstappen could like go long, wait for Leclerc to catch up and slow him down. I don't really see him doing that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, do, we, do you think Leclerc or Perez is going to get a second? I don't know, because the Rebels just look so much better. Um, and the fact that the kind of fight has gone this far. I mean, I, I, I think Perez will get it. I think Perez will get it. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a Red Bull 1-2 or 1-3 mm. with Ferrari off the podium this weekend. Yeah, I just, I don't That's trust Ferrari. the Ferrari well enough. Like, if it's a, if it's a kind of equal fight then Leclerc gets him every day I think or even yeah. if the Rebels slightly ahead um, then I think Leclerc still has the kind of fundamental pace and talent advantage over Perez to do it but I just think it could be big enough gap that it won't be, you know the driver driver quality won't really come into it I agree yeah I think the Rebel car will be better than Ferrari this weekend uh, Ferrari versus Mercedes in the constructors for second place Ferrari had 19 points ahead uh, do we still think Ferrari um, so if yeah, because what if if Mercedes were 
like say third and fourth, mm-hmm. and Ferrari were fifth and sixth, that wouldn't be enough. Um, Mercedes, even if Mercedes got a one-two, they would get forty-three points. So Ferrari would need twenty-four points, which is like a third and a fifth, which is doable. And that's if Mercedes got a one-two. Yeah, so, no, I, I don't think so. Um, there was a yeah. point in uh, Mexico where they would have gone up. That was when Ferrari were way down the order, where Sainz was down, and then um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think. I don't know. Yeah, if if one of the Ferraris retires, then it's maybe on. Um, yeah, but then would Mercedes beat Red Bull? Uh, no, they would need if, to win, wouldn't they? If one of them retires and Mercedes get um, third and fourth, then that would be twenty-seven points. Yeah. So then it would be eight points. So that. I mean, it's possible. Like, if, if Rory are having a, yeah. if like one retires and the other is having a bad day, or like, I think it's like possible, but I, d- I think if both Rory finish, then no. I agree. Yeah, so we both think Ferrari for that. Alpine versus McLaren, Alpine are 19 points ahead as well of McLaren after the very strong weekend in Brazil. That's going to be Alpine, isn't it? And like McLaren would have to do, have their best weekend of the year. By margin. <laughs> yeah, I think I think McLaren will have the better weekend because that's kind of how it's gone generally. That there's you know like no team has kind of had you know that long a strength. But yeah, it's not. Gonna I think Alpine will be stronger. I think the car, the straight line, I think suits the Alpine. I think the engine's very good, but it's not breaking down or blowing up. I think Alpine will still have be aired. I don't know. I think. I mean, that's if the drivers don't crash into each other. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I can see McLaren having the stronger weekend. Um, I think they've developed the car extremely well and they're really coming on strong at the end of the season when really Alpine should have put them away in the first half of the championship and they didn't and now they're paying for that, but I don't think they will pay for that enough. Again, like 19 points is a big gap. Yeah. Um, again, like if both, as, as long as both Alpine drivers finish, then no. If not, then it's like, again, it's possible, but unlikely still. I agree. Alfa Romeo versus Aston Martin for six of the constructors. Alfa Romeo are five points ahead, but five points, like, there's still, Aston Martin is still going to have to get an eight for a seven for something like that to put pressure on them. Do you see that happening, Vettel's final race, Stanstraw? Yeah, I, I do, actually. Um, yeah. What, again, like, if they finish level on points, who would be... Oof. You, 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 we're doing maths live on air. You can also really get into it. Uh, it goes down to best results. Yeah, who's got the best results? Uh, I don't got fifth. fifth in Imola. Um, mm, that yeah. probably wins it for me. Actually, I can see, I can see Aston getting like eighth and tenth. Um, then eighth isn't that far off seventh either. Um, so ah, this is really this is the toughest one. Because I think, as I said, I think Aston are really coming along strong. Um, I think, though, if it's Alpine, fourth fastest team, and McLaren close behind, they've really fight for ninth and tenth. I, I, I don't think Aston Martin are going to have quite a strong enough car to get into Q3 and then challenge, challenge for points. I think they're going to be challenging. Uh, to, you know, I think they'll be 11th or 12th in Q2, then battling just to get a point or two. So that's I don't think they're going to get five points. That's if everyone finishes, though. Like, if you yeah, have two true. retirements from the top four, then it's kind of it's wide Abu open, Dhab- and then Ab- Ricardo is beatable. So, Abu Dhabi is usually a 
dull-ish, like less chaotic race than normal does, isn't it? Usually. You get a few years where it's just like everything happens, though. Not really. You just get, well, I don't know, you just kind of get cars reaching, you know, it's the last race of the season, you do get some cars going down. I don't know. I can see, I can see it. Um, I think, I'm going to say Alpha just because if it's a draw, then they have the upper hand. That's okay. all I'm baiting it off. I think Alpha Romeo will do it on points. Uh, I think Aston Martin will struggle to score more than five points. Uh, and in, um, in the McLaren Alpine battle, if they're level on points, McLaren will get it because of Norris's podium. Just a little yes marker. Yeah. That that would, that would be mad if McLaren like end up tied on points with Alpine. Uh, and then the other key battle was Haas versus Alpha Tauri for eighth in the constructors. Of course, all this matters because you get more prize money, but then you get, get less win total time uh, next year. Haas are two points ahead of Alpha Tauri. Alpha Tauri. Haven't scored for the last couple of races though, so yeah, do that. we? Yeah, I've well. got the advantage. Yeah. No, I, I don't think yeah. either of them are going to score points. I think Alpha Tauri have been so disappointing this season, and obviously that's not a contentious point. But um, yeah, I I just don't I just don't see either team scoring. I agree. So after lots of disagreeing on stuff that isn't about F1, we've agreed on the things that are about F1. Uh, that's just mine and Adam's lives, sporting lives and opinions. There's an insight into that this podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back with Freddie after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and after the first World Cup match, of course, on Sunday. So my thanks to Adam, my thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Nothing. No. No, goodbye. Well, I'm letting the Zoom call run out, mate. You find let's let's not even press record. We're just going to carry it on and just you know give people bonus content. So when this cuts out in the middle of this sentence, any minute now, it's not going to look like an absolute. It's not cut out yet. Yeah, like <laughs> even more of an absolute now. To yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, oh god. Like, cut out. Okay. Oh god, I'm going to cry. I'm not going to cry. How much must happen win races for the next four months? Four, four, five, four, yeah, four, four. I can't count as usual. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's choose you all. Like you. Choose you all? Yeah, it works. It works. Everything works in my head. Uh, right.